welcome to Just Dads Reading Books, a podcast about judging your kids for what they read. This is produced by Matt Martins and EJ Sanders. Music by Russian Baths. Hello, thank you for joining us on Just Dads Reading Books. I'm here with my friend EJ. I'm here with my friend Matt. And Matt, they've been waiting for this Boy, one. Boy, it's been all waiting for this come one. down to this, hasn't it? It's all <laughs> writing on this episode today. Yeah. You're right. It is, uh, it's been a long time coming, folks. We've been reading the series of unfortunate events. And no, we're mm-hmm. not at the end of the series. You'd think with this kind of uh, pomp and energy. circumstance we're doing this right. energy, we, we'd be at the end. But no... It's just that for many episodes now, we've constantly referred to Book 11, The Grim Grotto, as like the slog, the one that we didn't like, or the one that EJ that didn't like, and the one that Matt didn't really right. remember, and the one that right. I stopped reading the series on. I didn't. I, I either didn't finish this book, or I finished it but didn't continue the series. This is the mm-hmm. last one of any recollection in my brain. I know I didn't read book 12 and 13. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, the big question has been, will this book uh, revive itself in our memories and right. in our appreciation of it? And so I want to come out the gate and just ask you, EJ, on reread, do you like this book? Hmm. Ooh, oh, he hesitates. I, that hmm. makes me nervous. I think it's a I think it leans Here, no. Here's what I'll say. I I think I think that this book is better than I remember it. Okay. That's where I'll that's the line I'll draw right now. <laughs> I will say. I will say I'll go on record right now because I've been talking this book. I've been talking down on this yeah. book for a while. I've right. been kind of give I, I've had some beef with it yeah. for some time. And I I will go on record right now and say, yeah, I think it is better than I remember. Yes, um, but it sounds like you still have your qualms. I definitely have. Oh, I, there's yeah, there's definitely some bones to pick with this one. That's I, funny. I I yeah, I in in it. It's not really anything that Lemony Snicket's doing in this one that's like really like. I it's not really infuriating. It's just it just. It just doesn't. It mm. just doesn't get there for me. That it just is doesn't so get there. There's a lot going on. Yeah, uh, which is funny to say because I remember this. There, there not being a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot more going on than I remember. Yeah, which is great. That's the that's the positives. Uh, the bad news is that I didn't find any of it to be uh, actually useful. Uh, in fascinating in, in a lot of ways. So uh, I'd like to hear your take now. I loved this book a lot. <laughs> I loved it so much, up and down, left to right. I think what this Uh-oh. book does is miraculous. <laughs> I'll give you this. It opens pretty slow. <laughs> it takes a I would little say while. Pretty slow. It is... takes a little while to get to the meat of what is good about this book. Uh, but I think once you get there. This is when the series enters like a new threshold for me of of like interesting things. It's here here's what it comes down to for me. This book is less about opening up new mysteries, which so many of the books have been, or at the very least, especially like since book seven, right? Every book is just like, here's more mm-hmm. mysteries and here's more mysteries. And we'll solve like one mystery, but we'll open up like three. This right. book 
does not introduce that many mysteries. And maybe that's... I would say none at all. Perhaps that's where it loses you, <laughs> is it feels like it's not kind of adding anything. But I think it answers a lot of stuff, at least maybe just stylistically. Yeah, so it fills out the world, is how I feel about this one. And that is something I think this series needed at this point, is to feel like okay. things needed to be more cohesive in the world and and less detached you know so far all of these locations feel like they're a million miles apart from each other and i was thinking as i finished this book like mm -hmm. do, is there a map of the world of the series of unfortunate events and i think they're very explicitly can't be <laughs> because right. the point is that these things all just feel sort of like disconnected in a weird way so that then at random intervals he can sort of like fold you back in on itself and it's like oh they're washing up on the shores of briny beach now like briny we beach, he, yeah. we don't want a sense of space because we want to be pulled in any direction but i think the connections between characters are solidified in this one I'll give you this. There are some really interesting. So there's some recurring characters that come back. Phil is back in this yeah, one for sure. a bit. Um, there's a lot of things that, that Daniel Handler is doing really, really well in the, in these books uh, towards, towards the end of the series, which is, and he's done this in the last three or four, which is he, he brings stuff up from past books and like works yeah. it back in like right. the and when i mean past books is like kind of pre-book that pre-book six stuff yeah where it's like it's all kind of disconnected and yeah, disjointed you, right. right yeah all that stuff is starting to work its way it massages its way back in there's a little bit more of that in here with like the horseradish for instance yeah, for sure uh, which is a really uh, honestly when that happened i was like all right you that rules. You did. That was a, <laughs> hey, that was a good move. Yeah. You know, like that. that was it definitely cool. feels retroactive. I'll say that much. And I don't oh, mind it, but it feels like it's he, retconning a lot. He per, but, he, well, and, and maybe not even specifically retconning. Kind of. I guess kind of retconning. It but is. But yeah, it's like he went through his six books and was like, what can I pull back into this right. stuff? What what did I leave which anything is, which is out totally there? Cool. Yeah, I love it. I, it's, it's, it's totally it's deciding cool a thing was a seed after the fact. And it's like, oh, this right. is a seed. Actually, I can use this. Yeah, to build a I tree. can make it a seed. Right. And and earlier like i would say in like books six and seven a lot of it felt pretty shoehorned like sure. um but i think he's finding better and better ways to work that stuff back in i yeah. think the horseradish thing really like i said i think that was really interesting and yeah. very very good and, and a good move on on on, yeah. on his part but i, I want to go to the beginning of this book i want to work let's just work our way through this thing because sure. it felt like work for me okay. and i think one of the things that you and I already, there's already something that you and I do differently, which is I read these books yep. and you have been listening to them. For the most and part, I yeah. think, I do think that maybe this book does listen a lot better than it maybe reads. Maybe so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would imagine I definitely it does. see that. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's never stopping being great hearing Tim Curry's voice. So right. I can't complain. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you, you get Tim Curry to recite and also there's like a lot of over the top characters in this one yeah that's um, true. there's a lot of over the, this is the most cartoony oh man this, okay. this book was cartoony as hell. you said something before we started recording you said mm -hmm. i hate captain withershams uh yeah which uh we'll talk about we, we will talk about the plot of this book in just a minute but you said that and i was like what you hate him i love him yeah well 
I have the benefit of Tim Curry of Tim doing Curry, a beautiful, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like Scottish, I'm Captain Weathers. That's I'm, what it was. Yeah, it's that's so awesome. good. And then Fiona, his stepdaughter, has like a little subtle, a little subtle Scottish, Scottish hook to her, so you okay. feel their familiar relationship. Dude, Tim Curry like makes this book so much better. That's for you. absolutely true. Absolutely, what it is because yeah. those those lines All right, that no, happen. Oh, they are awful. They're hard to read. It's that's it's funny. it's. It's it's that repetitive stuff that we yes. talk about because we're going to talk about how this book is a little bloated. This one padded. You have to agree, it's yeah. a little bloated. There's like a whole like there's a whole thread of the water cycle that yeah. that gets thrown in here, which is kind of unnecessary. But I I will say by the end I appreciated it because I was like, okay, he you know what he stuck to it. it kind of has a theme to it, sort it of. But there there it. is an issue I would say in especially book ten, the slippery slope, and this one, which mm-hmm. is. I, I, you could tell Daniel Handler wanted to do a lot more with the last couple books. Like, things really got to start tying together and big mysteries right. got to get solved and stuff. So it's like, we know book 12 and book 13 have to be kind of long, on the longer side. Yeah. Uh, and books, like, book 7 was not especially long or whatever. And you and, and also just knowing how much he's obsessed with, like, numbers, every single book, 13 chapters, 13 books. And, like, all of these things always, like, work very numerically I think we know Daniel Handler like sought to make each book longer than the last one or close to longer than the last one. And it feels like with Slippery and Slope and Grim Grotto, he didn't have actually long enough stories to tell. And so he found little jokes and gimmicks to throw in there to literally Mm -hmm. just pad out the word count. Uh, Slippery Slope has the scouts in it. That basically have this horrible motto that is reciting uh, a bunch of words from the alpha, like going in alphabetical order, yep. and he does it like nine times, and it's literally <laughs> yeah, just that's on the that's on the generous yeah, side. That, and and that's one where you got the benefit of just like yeah okay I glaze over that I had to listen to that uh, yeah, every to single sti- time. To, so that's the difference, right? <laughs> is like for you, it, like for me with Wittershims, it felt like I had to read. Yeah. All the stuff he it was is saying because he's saying important. Stuff. It is dialogue and it is nonsense. But, but it did talks. get to that point where I was just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna read like the first like two things he says, and then I'm gonna sure just kind of jet um, on this." On, yeah, on this one has saying. a very verbose character in Withershams. It's got the water cycle stuff where where Lemony Snicket is just sort of like mm-hmm. using the water cycle to describe to tell a story. So tell yeah. a story, but he like does it's, it in an incredibly little... verbose way. Like yes. he, he repeats himself very very often, and mm-hmm. yeah, it just feels like both of these books are like getting a bunch of fluff added to them and Took i would that say word count baby yeah, he's getting paid by the word niece especially the first <laughs> half of this book feels like where it's like really word count the 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 second half is where actually it feels like we're oh my gosh we're going beat to beat. It, it it go it starts going really fast but let's let's talk then about kind of what what happens in this book uh we we left slippery slope uh sort of escaping down the river uh mm-hmm. basically we find our way onto a submarine uh, yep. We get inside the submarine, and the characters we've been referring to are on it: Captain Withershams and his stepdaughter Fiona. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I, this is the first instance where I love these characters. Maybe not just because of like who and how they are, which I do. I do like that, especially Fiona. Fiona is one of the most fascinating characters. Fiona's, in the entire Fiona's series. very good, um, and, and Fiona continues to be very good until the end. Actually, cool. Fiona's arc in this book. Yeah, we've. We, Lemony Snicket is setting up 
more important character threads with these. Uh, we, we realize that actually maintaining characters from book to book is good and important or whatever, uh, and Fiona is perhaps one of the more important ones. But anyways, we meet them, and the world building that happens here is we discover they are a part of VFD, and they know a lot. They've been around with the organization for a long time, and we're going to learn a lot from them about the organization, and not in the normal series of unfortunate events ways where the kids are just, like, finding paper clipping like newspaper clippings and and little books that sort of refer to things and everything's a mystery no we are talking to people that lived through this stuff and are recounting their memories of things and i find that deeply fascinating like that is it is some of my favorite stuff because again we're not getting answers to puzzles but we're getting answers to like what the scope of this stuff looks like, of what this world, how it kind of feels. And that's that's the stuff that carries me through like the first half of this book, basically. Yeah, I mean, it does a lot of heavy lifting. I the, Here's the thing about reading the first half of this book. The first five, I would say almost maybe mm -hmm. even six chapters. I can't yeah. really remember off the top of my head. Uh, they happen within like 30 minutes of them getting on the ship it's true so if yeah. you're me if you're me reading this book i'm like i don't i i've stopped caring about mm -hmm. where they're at like they, there's a lot of just communicating where they're at and yeah. kind of the water with like kind of these these things that are going on around them in the water there's right. a lot of like communicating like oh well what's your expertise you know there's yeah. a lot of communicating who these characters are but there's just not a lot of like they're in the same place. It yeah. happens in about 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. Yeah. The first they're They're not five doing chapters. much at all. And I think this is right. if anything where, yeah, all of your memory of we, I think in a recent episode, we called this book a bottle episode. We thought the whole book just took place on the submarine, which ends up not being true. But the not first five chapters, it absolutely true. is. Yeah. <laughs> the first five chapters, it's just like, here's five Six I mean, characters not, in a room talking to each other about there's stuff. There's not a ton of locations in this one either, though. I mean, well, there's not like a ton of things they do. I mean, they do. I mean, listen, they do go one place. Let's compare and then they it. Come though. back to the other place. Compare it to so. Carnivorous Carnival. Carnivorous Carnival is yeah, but that's Madam, an interesting like, the, place. The, the to tent be. and the carnival, and those are the two spots we bounce that's back and such forth. Such an interesting place to. I be, think this though. is interesting. So here's here's all the places we go in Grim Grotto. So yeah, we spend a bunch of time okay. on the on the all sub, the places, and we decide. Uh, there's a, a mission we have to do is find this sugar bowl uh, that is uh, some critically important thing for VFD. We don't fully know why yet. It's still one of our mysterious just sort of MacGuffins or whatever. Uh, but we we figure out kind of where it is, and it's in the quote-unquote Grim Grotto. <laughs> there is a grotto we need to send yep. the kids into. Uh, Captain the Gorgonian Grotto. To, yes, uh, to, our, our adult characters are too big to get in there, but the kids can go dig around in this thing and they can follow the current through. So then our second location is spending a lot of time in this grotto. Uh, we are introduced to a poisonous mycelium, a poisonous mushroom that mm -hmm. is going to threaten the kids. Uh, they are trying to find the stuff in the grotto. They don't actually find what they need to find, but they do find other objects of interest in this grotto that have floated into it. And then there's a whole sort of action arc of just them having to get out of there uh, and the difficulty of escaping the grotto and trying to get back to the ship. Uh, I won't go into the, the details because honestly, that is where it's like, I, this is just for the service of 
having an arc <laughs> of them getting out of the grotto. Right. But the horrible thing that happens is some of this poisonous mushroom makes its way into Sunny's helmet. And we have our new Sunny Baudelaire problem where she spends the rest of this book trapped in a helmet coughing and meant to just be a sort of empathetic device for everyone trying to save the day. To its credit, I think this is one of the best uses of the Sunny Baudelaire Definitely. problem. Yeah. I think they do a really good job in this one of of handling Sunny's limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, there is this fun thing where she is fully quarantined inside a helmet, yeah. um, which is pretty great. <laughs> and you can see that on the cover. Right. A pretty decent cover. I didn't remember this cover as one of my favorites. I mean, this whole book for me is is tough to to remember but yeah um sunny sunny is in full quarantine inside a helmet um they do have to like kind of shove her along to like get her through the currents and stuff right. so there's there's and it's really really fun like you said the the best part of this book i think is the whole problem of sunny basically being poisoned or yeah. not basically right. definitely being poisoned. Yeah. actually in a horrific way she has like an hour yeah. to live <laughs> basically yeah, in the, not, in the not end. just an hour to live like when they solve the prop like when they figure yeah. out how to save her like she's got like mushrooms growing yes. in her mouth like she's like that's like a body horror like kind of messed up yeah similar to slippery slope having like a really powerful scene between quickly yeah. quagmire and violet baudelaire yeah. This one got me. They they are trying to save Sunny, and like, yeah. I mean, you as the reader, you kind of know they're not going to kill a baby in this right. book. They're not. Gonna, well, they're not going to kill the the third main character yeah, exactly. of this book. Like, but it's not going to happen. But as at least as a parent, oh, it, detailing it hurts to listen the yeah. events of a baby like yeah. hacking and wheezing and coughing yeah. and 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 being very weak. That is really tough it was to very get graphic. It, it, it added a lot of emotionality just as yeah. a as a baseline Agreed. for me so Agreed. that I, if anything maybe that's part of what boosted this book in my mind is just like yeah. i don't know it gripped me like no, it really think, it really should, had me going i should state that the the that plot line that plot thread yeah is actually one of my favorites in the series yes yeah, it's powerful so I, just an individual I, little sort of right. thing yeah I, my most of my qualms, I would say, come from a couple of things. I will I will just sum them up because what happens is is Sunny ends up getting quarantined in a helmet. They do end up saving her with wasabi. Yeah. Sunny saves herself actually right. uh, by figuring out that there's some culinary equivalents between horseradish and wasabi, which yeah. are the antidote to this this mushroom. Uh, and then from there, like Count Olaf's ship has already swallowed them up. Uh, you know, in some weird way, there's this like they have this weird octopus ship. They have a crazy not, ship. This, this is where I'm like, I'm ready to watch I, that episode of the show because I'm, this, dude, this one really like a, tees yeah. up the show as like a, there's a lot of say, visuals going on. I, mean, I was gonna say that the show I, I haven't actually watched this far in this, into the show. I think I watched till the Universe Carnival uh, and then stopped watching. But um, uh, yeah, I I can't imagine how much of a budget they have to be able to pull this <laughs> off. I mean, the things that are in this yeah. specific book. I mean, you have to do four episodes on this if you're the show, and like one of them is like literally they have to float down a stream. Now you could probably like montage all of that, right? Mm. But like I don't know how you would get the whole Queequeg scene. Yeah going to where like the Queequeg is like being swallowed up by this octopus ship and like the way the way Count Olaf enters the ship by like this is why I'm saying it's the most cartoonish of all the books because he like he pulls out a sword and like just like slices the glass open like he's like some sort of weird like 
uh, Inigo Montoya. Yeah, like, yeah. he's just like, and, and he has a new he has a new laugh that they're constantly dude, referring the, to. So I hated like, the laugh hey, too. I gotta be honest. That's another one. Tim Curry. I know you get Tim Curry. You get Tim Curry. You know who I have? I have EJ Sanders. Okay, like that's who I get. All right, my cast is EJ Sanders, and he's not. He's not. He's not fun. He's not as funny as Tim Curry. Like it's just not gonna happen. And those laughs were just so. Oh, they're so overwrought. I did not care. They happen like after every sentence that Olaf says in this book. Yeah, and Esme, and they're just like, and they're just like, they're just they're cheesy and like, ah, I don't know. I think I got this same feeling too because this book came along probably when I was. It came out in two thousand four, but I probably didn't read it until I was. Well, you know what? That would have been right around the time seventh or eighth grade. Yeah, that would have been right around seventh or eighth grade for me. And yeah, I was probably just cringing at that. Like I was just like, ugh, like I can't. I think there was a lot of just kind of cringeworthy stuff at the beginning of this. And that's, and I know it's a children's book. I know that you don't have to explain that to me. Well, and I I didn't, I'll I'll just say, I didn't feel the cringe. I found the cartooniness fun for this one. I don't, I don't know why, but again, it's Tim, I guess it's Tim Curry, but it's it's so hard to turn that on and off though, whenever you're reading it, right? Sure. You get you, like I said, you get Tim Curry. I I don't get to have the cartooniness. Like it's because it is, because the book is so self-serious so much. Yeah. Like every book, every book in this series is so self-serious so much. It is so hard to switch that mode in mm-hmm. your mind. Mm-hmm. And so whenever you're going from a scene where Sonny is literally dying. dying yeah. Right. To, to count Olaf coming in being a cartoon character. Yeah. Do you think that's fun for me? It's like tough. it's yeah. not I get, easy I get that. Yeah. for me. Right. So, and, and the fact that this book really doesn't, I mean, I understand it forwards the plot. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that at all. I just don't feel like it wraps it, it. A, it doesn't wrap anything up and B, they don't really succeed in mm. a lot of ways, man. Well, so let's get to uh, what I think is the most critical part of this book and the most fascinating right. part to me. So we've already set up that Wittershins and Fiona are these mm-hmm. new characters that are kind of helping us flesh out the world. And yeah, we we are trying to save Sonny. We get captured by Count Olaf. We're on his weird octopus submarine. We're trying to get off the octopus submarine back onto the Queequeg, uh, Captain Wittershins' ship, which uh, Wittershins has gone missing. Uh, him and Phil just disappear, and Fiona is now in yeah. charge. <laughs> and she sort of has like a power-hungry, crazy thing going on. But is that is that how is that how he reads it? Because the way I read Fiona was just like as somebody who's just kind of like stepping up. Oh, like no, he, come, no, it, it comes off like so for, like for so much of the charge. book, Wittershins has this thing where he uh, what does he say constantly? And I, uh, he says I. I. he's always saying hi. And uh, Fiona doesn't say Fiona that. But as that soon up, as right. Fiona starts taking it over, mm-hmm. it Tim Curry performs it as if it's falling out of her. Like it's like right. like she can't help but like, I, it, like, it, like, like she's saying something. Like I'm in charge now. I yeah. And the Scottishness yeah. like is right. thicker when she does that so it's yeah right. it, it feels like something is happening to her right her right. mind is being over. consumed with power or whatever right but the huh. much much bigger deal to all of this is right uh there's a massive reveal in this book which is there is, there is one massive reveal. the hook-handed man Bernal. is also uh i think a stepchild of captain Wittershins is right. fiona's brother uh right. we have a familiar relationship now it's a character we just met but it is tying also the hook-handed man to kind of all of the organization stuff. The yep. the big thing we've had recently is we've got a lot of uh, the troop falling away. Uh, one of them has died. the The bald man is gone. Uh, uh, so is so is the person who's neither. 
Yeah, they male just disappeared. No, uh, no, they died too. Did they? I don't even remember. Man, I don't yeah. even remember. What their death is them. like their death is in the hospital. So oh, as that's it's right. Burning down. They did not. I escape. forgot they did not escape. That's so sad. That's messed up. It's uh, so sad. And it's then like the, one of the, the, the white faced women they leave and leave. reveal to us that like Olaf is like always kidnapping kids and like mm-hmm. putting them to work or whatever. And so in this book we have sort of just like an army of scouts. Uh, our our carnival workers from book nine are off doing something different. And really the hook handed mm-hmm. man is like our last person left from the original troop. But we have this tie of like, he's a big deal. Like he's been a part of yeah. this for much he's longer. He's actually been he's, a big deal. He's not just here for it. And this is the book where we get a whole lot of blurring the lines. This book uh, really wants to be about what I've started to understand is kind of the thesis of the series is like yep. the book wants to explain to you that there's not good and bad people, even if they might look They're like just it. There's, people. there's there's people with intentions and yes. the hook handed man does this super fascinating thing to me bit, which is like, well, obviously he's a bad guy. And and so far we've been using this notion in really weird ways where it's like, yeah, but I don't believe you. Right. Uh, oh, no. Uh, Count Olaf's not bad. He just wants all the money in the world. Okay, well, that's bad. So it, it is yeah, bad. You, right. It is actually black and white. And Klaus points out that actually, like, there's one side setting the fires yes. and one side putting them out. Right. And I think that's a really potent line it is. in this book. But uh, we get this whole notion from, mm-hmm. from the Fiona, Hook-Handed Man, and Captain Wittersham storyline that uh, basically there's information about the Hook-Handed Man and things he's done. Uh, but they're all published in the Daily Punctilio. And the Baudelaire's know all too well that that is uh, not a very good journalistic enterprise. And there's wrong information all the time. And basically, the hook-handed man alludes to the fact that they're part of the schism. And part of like the, the divide in his family is based on misinformation. And people not understanding what actually was going on at the time. And we don't get the reveal of what actually was happening but there i mean there's a death involved there's more fires and that's what split breaks this family apart and uh in the end fiona even kind of goes to the side of quote unquote evil because she says wouldn't you protect your family like this is all i have all i have is my brother here in front of me and i'm gonna do what i can with him i want to protect my family i'm and and that is such a good representation of this idea of fiona really isn't doing bad. anything bad we we get a lot in this book of violet kind of side-eyeing fiona and and a lot of like i don't think i trust her and klaus uh is kind of like falling in love it. with her it feels yeah. a little bit like it's coming out of nowhere it but it, a little it, unearned a at little least bit. it plants a seed i think and 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 maybe it, this is performance stuff too but it also felt like fiona never trusted Wittershims. like there there was seeds of fiona's kind of a weird it's a lot of seeds lady. of doubt all over the place there's actually a whole scene too and you probably remember this where the baudelaire children are reciting like some memories they have some Mm -hmm. bad memories they have of their parents right yeah where that's i think that's an interesting part of this book to to also set up our parents are good people but they've that's really good foreshadowing by the way (laughs) oh okay oh no (laughs) no 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 no, no. for the just just for this (laughs) just for this okay Okay. yeah yeah, i think i think that's really good foreshadowing for what happens to fiona at the end of this book yeah and i and so like I'm saying, I think the pieces of this book are there. Yeah, like, I think it's I think it's got critical elements. Yeah, actually, you're you're right. The the idea is they're saying our parents have done bad right. things, stuff we didn't like, but they're our family. Right. 
It doesn't matter. We right. have to stick it, with them. And that's the choice Fiona makes at the end of this book. It's also the point of like memory, right? Yeah. Of me- only remembering you the, only good remember things the good things because it's kind of a service. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're honoring the dead in that way. Right. right? It's true. Yeah. So th- this book wraps up with the kids uh, managed to escape uh, sort of also thanks to Fiona and a little bit thanks to the hook handed man. I mean, he, he kind of goes back no, and th- forth. Definitely on, thanks I to mean, it, so, so you feel this sense of goodness in them. They at least help the Baudelaire's escape. Uh, they do wash up on Briny Beach, this, the, the place of the first scene of the series where they learn about the death yeah, of their parents. This is so good. And uh, they've been, they've been kind of lured there by a telegram <laughs> that says to go there. And yeah. they're trying to solve these these puzzles that have to do with poems and, and words that are missing from the poems. But they get there, they wash up, and Mr. Poe is there. And he's like, someone told me you would be here. So you come with me. And the kids piece together and they're like, no, we're not supposed to go with you. The puzzle actually says we need to find a taxi. They jump in a taxi and we are introduced to the character Kit Snicket. We've heard her name offhand mentioned. We know it's Jacques' sister. We know it's Lemony's sister. That's the only detail we know about Kit Snicket and the book ends. (laughs) Cue the music. That's so good. It is such a good ending. Like, yeah, seriously, like these books normally wrap up in like this, like hokey, like this wild way, like, yeah. like the ends of these books. Like if you read the first, even the, the last book, I mean, yeah. the first 10 books of this series end with like, end with like, and then this, and then this, and yeah. then this, and then that's the end of the book. And right. you're like, what just happened? Why did like, we get there? Why because, did the whole thing yeah. devolve into like chaos yeah. for like 15 pages? And now we're at the end. Now right. this book does kind of does the opposite of that whole thing, which is my been my problem. The whole series is we have a 15 page final chapter yep. that just like ramps through the ending. This thing is a 50 page yeah. final <laughs> chapter and it really gets like, it takes its time yeah, getting to this great. spot. And I think that it is one of the strongest endings mm-hmm. in the series. And I still think that this is one of the weakest entries. Of the That's series. so interesting. So yeah, I, I think the strong ending, uh, is great and it helps because here's here's the biggest thing here's my big push for why i love this mm-hmm. book is we have had such a sense of family in this series yeah. it's actually it is it is kind of patently ridiculous how everybody is interconnected you know if we if we were like really evaluating this it's it's like a love actually <laughs> series yeah. of why really all right, of these characters number on a dollar bill much? kind of deal yeah. huh so the the idea though that like the Baudelaire's are so connected and they're, it's this big family and the Quagmire's are connected to the families and the Snicket's are a family. Yeah. There's like it's, so many like triplets or, or siblings. They never meet a character that's disconnected. Not, exactly. There's everyone. Except is, for and, once. They do meet one and it's the guy who runs the shop right. that they're running well, away and, from. And like seemingly like Olaf hospital. basically, right? right? Olaf is like not technically related to anybody as far as we know so far. I don't know. Maybe that changes. And but yet he was their closest relative. That's true. He was like a, he was like a somewhat distant uncle Curious. or whatever. Uh, right. But yeah, we we now have this idea that the 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 Wittershims family sort of exists in here, although they're not all Wittershims. It's again stepfather stuff. It's confusing, but like everything in this world is like so close to family ties, which I think is awesome. Again, because such the the critical moments of this book is like setting you up that. for yeah. what would you do for family? You you would do anything for family, and that's right. and and because all of these organizations are so steeped in family, it complicates everyone's choices. The Snickets, no one's got clean hands because they're always acting in service of trying to do something for their family. I mean, it feels like at this point, it feels like a 
like an not elizabethan a a, a victorian era <laughs> like yeah. it feels like this is royalty and these are this is we're playing crusader kings 3 now oh basically. yeah let's go ck3 <laughs> baby my favorite game what a good game and, and all these families exist and we have to off one character so that we can introduce yeah. the next and bring them to power or whatever but yeah i i left this book feeling like oh my gosh i i feel like i've been properly set up for the ending to start to happen now. Like I, I actually get to experience things and what a good lead into because the next book I've already, I've started like the first two chapters of Penultimate Peril. And I think it's that important book, to include in this episode, rips, the idea that <laughs> our next location and kind of our, our final like important location, as far as I can tell, I don't know where the, the mm. end takes place, but I get the idea that it's sort of all, it's not, every other book has a set piece, the grotto, the, the mountain, the carnival, yeah. uh, perils is the hotel, which is like, you know, that hotel in the John wick series. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's dude. that it is the VFD like, hotel and, and only crazy spy stuff goes on at this hotel. And we've introduced a million characters at this point, And the penultimate peril is a book about all of the characters creating a massive web and you need did Grim Grotto to get you to that point to understand how interconnected all of this is and that's why I think it's it's one of my favorite entries actually yeah well just wait till you read yeah. all of the penultimate <laughs> now I get to read 12 buddy, and be like oh wait actually this is like the best yeah book actually ever. <laughs> this blows it out of the water no penultimate peril you're right I've actually said for a long time that John Wick is based on a series of unfortunate <laughs> events because this book gets that book is oh my god I'm so excited to start it because it yeah. is it is one of my favorite entries of the series. Uh, uh, I'm not spoiling anything. I'm yeah. so excited because I this is wait. the point now. We're at this point, uh, and we've we've worked so hard to get here yeah. because Matt hadn't read past the Grim Grotto. Right. I'm, it's and all I uncharted know, territory for me. Yeah. I know where this thing goes, and this is the first <laughs> time where I know where this thing goes, and Matt has yeah. no idea where it goes. Oh, man. And, oh, yes, 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 yes. This is... This is where it really ramps. I mean, like you thought it, you thought it ramped up in in slippery slope and grim grotto. Mm -hmm. I mean, the penultimate peril is like, is like Non-stop. every. It's like every chapter is a thirteenth chapter of a series of unfortunate wow. events. It's just like, yeah, every single one is just like. That's not the end of the book. Like, you're just like you're we're just gonna like do another blown. one after this. Yeah, you're like looking at the chapter number. You're like, this can't be right. Like, I thought I was. I thought it was. Oh, wow. like you're just. It just. It just hits you one Man. after the other. So I'm. I'm like stoked to read it. My my final thoughts on Grim Grotto because I don't. I don't plan on maybe. I don't know when I will return to this series in sure. my life. You yeah, know? yeah, like this. Why, why do you need to go reread it again? Right. Yeah. Like this kind of feels kind of sad. And especially since for a long time, I, I discounted this book mm-hmm. and I still think that while it is not one of my favorite entries of the series, I do think it has a lot more merit than I've been giving it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know where I would put it. It would be so funny to see. I, I wonder how we're going to rank these books. If we're going to do individual rankings at the end of this oh, fun. or or if we're going to rank this as a team because the Grim Grotto <laughs> is going to fall right in the de- dead yeah, center. Yeah, between the two of us. Yeah. Between the two of us, it's going to it's not going it's like this it's like the sixth seventh best book, but That's funny. I it's just so it just like I said, it meanders so much. There's mm-hmm. not the the locations when you're reading them um you know, they're they're interesting. There's like I think that the uh place that they, the grotto they go to, the mm-hmm. the, the Gorgonian Grotto is a, a fascinating place, but they just don't spend very long in there. It's like yeah. two chapters, maybe. 
It's, um, and it's it's so mission focused. They're not really exploring it is, a space. They're just yeah. like they're digging through the, the, the yeah. They're just kind of digging through the sand, but, and then get and then they got to get but out. But that's some of the best character work in 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 the yeah. book is is done in there. Like I really uh, I thought maybe the Violet uh, disliking Fiona stuff was a little unearned, but I really liked the Fiona and Klaus stuff yeah. more than I like the Violet and Quigley stuff. Well, cause it's so much say. more interesting, right? I mean, Cla- Klaus I, is like she's a much more interesting character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Quigley's exactly. just obviously a great dude that we Yeah, he's love. just like a, a kind of a standard good guy. It's yeah. like Violet's never met a good guy. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that's kind of how it feels versus Fiona is like actually very, very interesting. Yeah, like really she's a very interesting person and she seems like the type of interesting person that Klaus would be into. And so that's kind of like, that's that's why I like that relationship, yeah. and I think I think in this book the strong the strong points of this book are Klaus and Fiona's re- relationship, the Sunny plot line, mm-hmm. and like you said, the the theme of of family, yeah. and the theme that that as it juxtaposes with the theme of people being the way they are in yeah. their motivations. Right. So people's motivations juxtaposed against people's family, and how those two things when they get intertwined, mm-hmm. how you make decisions that aren't exactly the, the most rash yeah. in a lot of, in a lot of, or the most rational, right? Like you're right. trying, like, I mean, think about Klaus and Klaus and Violet in this book when right. Sonny is in trouble, right? That whole scene is like Fiona to me, like you said, when you were, when you were listening to it, Fiona comes off as like a dictator, I guess yeah. to you, right? right? Yeah. But to me, I'm sitting there and I'm like, no, Fiona's being objective. Like right. she is trying, what she is trying to do right now is she's just trying to get through this hour. Like she's right. trying to be as helpful as she can right. and she needs them to be as helpful as they can. And since they hesitate, right, which yeah. is the whole, <laughs> the whole, hook the whole thing of this he book. He who is hesitates the, is, lost, is lost or she or she. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He or she who hesitates is lost and, and, and almost guaranteed that almost happens to the Baudelaire's because mm-hmm. they are so caught up. And what's happening to Sonny? Because yeah. they and they and they should. They're very fearful of what's going to, to happen life. to her. Yeah. Right? They they lose the objective just long enough to get captured. Right? And that's like, I love that. Yeah. I love. It's I would say so I love it's the, the yeah. first six books are like a- absolute lack of nuance in anything. Like there's no subtlety yeah, to anything almost, that happens. Yeah. And every single book gets more and more nuanced in yeah. how the conflicts sort of evolve themselves. It's a, it, it's genuinely amazing that Daniel Handler is like able to like have that pacing and have that flow to all of this where it's like each thing feels like it's getting gradually more complex. Uh, I mean, it would yeah. be fascinating once we finish the end to go back and read the bad beginning and just be like, "What uh, is this? Like, what? Exactly. This is not the same." Writer. That's why I, <laughs> I, I, like, if I were to rank them right now, the bad beginning is the worst. The worst, book yeah, for se- sure. It's, 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 it's a bad beginning. It's not. It, it's not <laughs> it's, a horrible book, but it's not a representative of like what this series is. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely. it's very and even the first three. Like I used to hold a couple of those first five books yeah. in high regard, and I I feel like all of those kind of fell off i would even say the grim grotto is better than the majority of the, of first, the first five, five books yeah yeah um, so i mean and that's and that's saying a lot for me because this book this book did move up the power rankings quite yeah. a bit uh, <laughs> just because i do love those things like i love those themes and i think too i think this is why i still begrudgingly don't like it as much mm-hmm. is i still think it falls into that category of like 
I want to like this book. Yeah. But there are just things that happen, those cartoony moments mm-hmm. that happen throughout the book really, really hurt the tone. Mm-hmm. It really hurts the tone of this book. And I'm not like, I'm not a professional writer. So it's like, it, I cannot say, you know, let me stick it as obviously an incredible writer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, sure. Where I'm not, I'm not but you trying know how to you feel, you know how you right, feel, but I know how I feel about it, which is the tone really like, it's hard for me to accept those tonal shifts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when, whenever we're talking about subjects that are so, yeah, so tonally deep. As right? the, yeah, that that's been the thing, right? Is the previous books got to still be goofy because when they were serious, right. it was like, yeah, we're kind, we're being a little serious here, yeah, but it's we're, the, it's we're still whatever. also just doing the carnival thing, right? But this one, yeah, it's getting into like very serious themes and tones, and well, like then even... and then Esme's like, hack, hack, I'm gonna slap you with a spaghetti noodle. Like, what is going right. on? Like even in like even Jacques Snicket's death like doesn't mm-hmm. have a tonal like impact, yeah. right? Like you. And it should, and I, like, it kind of makes you feel bad about that whole like arc in, in yeah. Vile Village when you know that it can be, it could have been set up yeah. like this, you know, right. like, like it could have been like a massive, really impactful intense. part of the series, yeah. and yet it's just like, and he was murdered, right? Bye, bye, like, folks. See you later. It's like so long, yeah. like so long, Jacques. We're writing him out of this one. Yeah. So it's like, and and you know what? At the time, it's funny because Vile Village is one of my favorites of the series, sure. but it's just like. It at the comes time, you're at like, a time the tone. where the right. series, yeah, the tone was completely different, and where the and tone is like starting at ten, we really start to shift things, and yeah, it's interesting. Starting well, at really nine, I think. Yeah, no, I think, well, because nine is the one Carnival. we talked about. Nine justifies its camp and its oh, goofiness, it's so right? Good. It's at a circus, nine. and so it kind of feels like Grim Grotto's trying to have this, have that cake and eat it too, but it it yeah. it doesn't come off quite the same because the subject matter is so much more. The important. subject matter, we've we, yeah, it's like. Daniel, you've already done like you've yeah, done it. You're, you we're one. at a point now where we're sold let's on this, this universe. Out. Yeah, let's like you can be a little darker now. Actually, yeah. I would even say like feel free to be a little bit darker. Right. And I think that's where sometimes he just barely just kind of misses the mark a yeah. little bit. But but overall, I'm I'll say it now at the end of the episode. I think this was a good book. <laughs> Yay, we did. Hey, everyone, we did it. We made EJ like Grim Grotto. Uh, next week's episode is a pretty weird one. It's a very long episode. EJ and I on the road talking oh, about yeah. whatever we wanted it's our to. Our own Grim Grotto. Kind of a, our own Grim Grotto. <laughs> but hopefully you'll stick it out and have a good time with us. We talk about a lot disc golf we talk about uh books we talk about our childhood it's a lot of things at once uh so so join us on that journey and then we'll be back the next week with penultimate peril as we try to write out the rest of this series and i'm very very excited to uh, go into uncharted waters for myself yeah i'm excited as well let me leave you with a little poem as we used to have done on this show What's that mean? <laughs> I love that there's it just inconsistencies on how we decide this show should end. But I'm I'm in I'm here for it. Give me a poem, EJ. I'm gonna leave you with uh, a little bit of a T.S. Eliot poem. Sat upon the shore, fishing with the arid plain behind me. Shall I at least set my lands in order? London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down. These fragments I have shored against my ruins. Why then I'll fit you? Hieronymo's mad again. Dada, diadavam, diada, shanti, shanti, shanti. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> you freaked me out, man. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>